Hello and welcome to the PFF Wire podcast. I'm Doug Kide, joined as always by Brad Spielberger. Brad, it's Monday afternoon. How are you doing? Doing great. Another Bears uh, tank loss with a 31-30 after field. Still went off, had a good game, uh, but they could not get the win. Maybe it made it a little bit harder for the Detroit Lions to land that quarterback in the future. I know. I've got a a Lions fan friend that I probably mentioned a few times on here who was a little bit bummed at how many bad teams there are in the NFL right now because I think that he wants one of those top quarterbacks and it's becoming more and more difficult with so many bad teams there at the bottom of the NFL standings. Uh, Lots of news to get into right away here, uh, but let's first talk about Josh McDaniels and the Las Vegas Raiders because I feel like things kind of came to a head this weekend where the Raiders lost to the Indianapolis Colts led by interim head coach Jeff Saturday, first-time NFL play caller Parks Frazier there at offensive coordinator. And I think it really did start to raise questions about whether or not Josh McDaniels is on the hot seat with the Raiders, if he'll last the season, if he'll be back next year. Uh, Raiders head, uh, Raiders owner Mark Davis did release a statement to the Las Vegas Review-Journal, or he spoke to the Las Vegas Review-Journal, saying that, I love Josh. I think he's doing a great job. Uh, we brought him in here for the future. Uh, we, we pay people to live out their contracts, all of these things. Uh, and then uh, Jeff Howe of The Athletic reported that you know, Josh McDaniels has been told that he will be back in 2023. I think that a lot of these assurances, assurance, well, I'm really messing up that word, assurances uh, don't go very far in the NFL. But I said it on last week's shows. I can't understand why you'd sign a guy to a four-year contract not to bring him back for the next year. There's also the matter of Mark Davis being one of the least wealthy owners in the NFL. Uh, Beyond the Packers, he might actually be at the very bottom of that list. He already paid out a settlement to John Gruden, uh, and he just signed Josh McDaniels to a four-year contract. If he now fired Josh McDaniels, he would essentially be paying three head coaches. So I think it makes the most sense for Josh McDaniels to live on until 2023, but, uh, it was not a good. It was not a good day for the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday. Absolutely not. Now two and seven on the year. You know, lose to like you said a guy who was hired on Tuesday. I think it was. Um, and look, the Colts have a good defense. They played well. I was laughing at your tweet as to why teams continue to target Stephon Gilmore in game clinching <laughs> situations has not been a winning recipe so far this season, folks. I, I would advise against doing that, but. You know, I think Derek Carr's press conference was also very interesting beyond the fact he was, you know, choked up, was was teary-eyed and shows how much he really cares. But he kind of said, look, I love Josh. The coaching staff is trying to help us win. He kind of called out the locker room, basically said, I think some guys are not fully invested. You know, we have some guys that are fully invested, like myself, that are dying to win and get this thing back on track. And that's not the kind of representation of the entire roster. I think that was pretty interesting. And it's it's a tumultuous time, and I think for me, the takeaway is the look. Yes, he needs to be much, much better as a coach. He's been a failure, but at the end of the day, you need players to buy in to play well, and if your leader, your quarterback is saying that and you're underperforming at a lot of key spots, there's only so much a coach can do. Yeah, 100%, and I think that you know, I reached out to some people around the NFL to say, you know, do you think Josh McDaniels will be back? What do you think is going on there in Las Vegas? One person did say when I said, like, what is wrong with Las Vegas, one person did say Josh McDaniels, uh, but pretty high-ranking NFC pro personnel executive uh, said that you know he thinks Josh McDaniels will 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 keep his job, will will not get fired. He said, but anything can happen in the NFL. And he actually brought up the comments that Derek Carr made and said, like, 
when you guys have, when you have guys who aren't giving full effort, like he said that I've never experienced that. Like, like I've been in losing situations. I've never questioned the effort on the team. And Josh McDaniels did say today in a news conference uh, that he isn't questioning the effort of players. But, and if you look at that long run by Matt Ryan, like 40 year old Matt Ryan, however old he is at this point, like I don't think that there were guys on that Raiders defense who were fully sprinting to try to catch up to Matt Ryan. And maybe they were expecting their other teammates to make better tackles, to make better plays. Uh, but you could see moments in that game where you could certainly question the Raiders' effort on offense and on defense. Um, and I don't really know where this goes from here. I will say, though, that the Raiders are pretty lucky that they haven't had more primetime games. Uh, they do have a couple coming up one of which I think is on a Thursday, so they will have to play that one. But there's another, there's a Sunday night game against the Patriots late in the season that I highly doubt that NBC will keep because at that point, and unless the Raiders go on a, on a serious winning streak here, I don't think many people are going to be wa- wanting to watch the Patriots and Raiders on a Sunday night. That could be an ugly, ugly football game. I hope that gets flexed out with all due respect to both of those teams. I know there's a lot of narratives there, and it'll be interesting. Obviously, Dave Ziegler, the GM in, in Las Vegas, so it's not just Josh McDaniels. There's a ton of connections there. But, yeah, that's not a football game I'm particularly interested in watching. And, yes, you know, you're, you're without Darren Waller, you're without Hunter Renfro, but at a right. certain point, it doesn't matter. We see teams overcome this all the time. Green Bay just came back from a two-touchdown deficit in the second half, you know, without most of their wide receivers. Um, and the crazy thing, too, is, you know, I have pointed to the interior of the offensive line, a little bit of right tackle as well for the Raiders, but they actually had a good team pass block rate yesterday. I want to say an 85 overall for the entire team. Colton Miller has become one of the better left tackles in the NFL. Like, it's not necessarily... You know, I think Derek Carr, a lot of it's falling on him. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was so comfortable in that John Gruden offense, and there is supposed to be very complicated what Josh McDaniels wants to do yes. and bring all these different things in, and it's just becoming more and more difficult for them to produce. But, yeah, you mentioned also the Jonathan Taylor touchdown run, a little bit different. I mean, look, you can run 80% right. speed and probably catch Matt Ryan if you're most of these guys. But the Ron Harmon, I think he, him and Trevon Morig, but, like, they were both sprinting and trying to catch Jonathan Taylor, and it panned back over. And, again, you're not going to catch him, but we see this all the time guys that know they're not going to catch the player are still sprinting full speed to get it on tape to show effort to show all those things it was the veteran journeyman and Harmon, who's you know obviously been with and and, and like that was it and it was just right. there's a lot of those plays on tape week in and week out there are fundamental problems up and down that that team right now yeah and uh yeah i would never question Daron Harmon's effort and yeah it is apparent that he's one of those guys that is out there trying the other thing is that yeah they brought in guys like Daron Harmon they brought in you know, Chandler Jones, they brought in players who will fit Patrick Graham's defense, will fit Josh McDaniel's offense, but there was a major shift in schemes on offense and on defense this offseason, going from John Gruden's system to Josh McDaniel's, going from Gus Bradley uh, now to Patrick Graham, where you expect some growing pains. I certainly thought that the Raiders would be better this season, hand up after, you know, trading for Devontae Adams, after signing Chandler Jones. I thought that they would at least have a winning record this year. I did not see this coming. I also didn't think that Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro were going to be missing most of the season, that, you know, Matt Collins would have more receiving yards than both of them combined. So a lot of things have gone wrong for the Raiders. I do think they'll probably finish a little bit stronger. And I also think that Given the entire situation, given the fact that they still had to pay John Gruden, given the fact that Josh McDaniels is on a four-year contract, given the fact that they changed schemes, all these different things, 
I think that you do need to bring him back next year to see if they can fix everything, but I'm not sure how long the, the leash would be on Josh McDaniels entry next season. Let's get into some news from the day in our fresh off the wire segment. Eno Benjamin released by the Arizona Cardinals. This is a pretty massive shock because I, I think that, I mean, I, I would have to check, but I believe that Eno Benjamin is actually the higher graded player in that Arizona backfield this season uh, than James Conner is. Obviously, James Conner has more experience and everything like that. But Eno Benjamin ranks very well for us in yards after contact per attempt, missed tackles force per attempt. Uh, I thought that he looked good when he was the starter in Arizona. I know they've got a crowded backfield, but I haven't had people you know, calling me being like, what is going on with Eno Benjamin? And there's there's no news right now as to why this move was made. One guess would be his pass block rate is not great by any means. And when you when you run five wide receivers, you never leave tight ends into chip. It's often five offensive linemen, and that group right now is not good in Arizona. Frankly, their ability to hold up yesterday uh, without DJ Humphreys, their entire interior is now done for the year. Rodney Hudson, Max Garcia, all these guys. Um, you know, and and the Rams really didn't do much, but I think maybe that's it because Connor is a good pass blocker, obviously also a good pass catcher. Um, you know, played I want to say ninety six percent of snaps or something like that. It was a really really high snap share yesterday, so it is so surprising though. I mean, Conte Ingram, the rookie, is in the fold. Like you said, they have some bodies there, but he was running well, he was playing well. Yeah, it's it's definitely a surprising move. Uh, it's especially surprising too when. Uh, Daryl Williams is on injured reserve. He went on injured reserve on November 2nd, so he's still got a couple of weeks left until he can come back. Uh, Jonathan Ward also on injured reserve, not quite. Uh, I think he is eligible to come back now. Um, and then they've got rookie Keontae Ingram in there as well. So they do have a, a fairly loaded backfield. Corey Clement, they're on the practice squad as well. Tyson Williams, they've got some experience there. But um yeah, I think that if you're a team like the Rams or some of these other teams in the NFL who have not had a lot of success at running back, I would be looking to claim, you know, Benjamin at this point. Uh, one other piece of Cardinals news, Zach Ertz reportedly out for the season with a knee injury. I mean, this is a, kind of a nightmare season for the Cardinals. I know they were able to win yesterday against the Rams, but that was the the backup quarterback battle. I can't foresee a lot of success here in Arizona, um, you know, even after some of these moves important part of that offense he really is kyler murray's safety blanket in a lot of scenarios you know very sure-handed guy not gonna you know block by any means but that's not what they're asking you to do in arizona um and, and yes you know one more piece of news sounds like marquise brown should be back after the bye they said probably not going to play this week but it was closer than they expected he's ahead of schedule um yeah, so they will have some options there at pass catcher but just really tough i mean Ertz kind of got chased out of town in philadelphia before that trade Dallas Goddard has obviously emerged as one of the better tight ends in the NFL, and it probably made sense for my financial situation and all that. There's not really bad blood there. It sounds like Ertz still loves Philadelphia, but you know it was fun for him to see his kind of career revival and continue to play at a high level as a pass catcher in Arizona. Just a tough break for a guy that I think is very easy to root for. Sorry, I'm adjusting my light over here and uh, <laughs> facing. Uh, I'm giving giving my hand to the uh, the camera, but um, yeah, I, I would say on Marquise Brown. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, I think we, we've we noted over the last couple of shows here, not that reliable when it comes to injury updates. So good sign that he's saying, you know, he's close, but I wouldn't necessarily completely uh, believe Cliff Kingsbury when he does give those injury updates. Uh, another piece on the Raiders, they claimed Jerry Tillery off of waivers from the Chargers. Uh, Jerry Tillery released on Friday. I was actually a little bit surprised that Jerry Tillery got through roster cuts uh, through roster trades during cuts, through the trade deadline, and then finally he was waived. He just uh, was 
fairly big first round bust there for the Chargers. Got great size, got great athleticism, uh, was certainly not a fit in all of their defenses. Maybe a better fit uh, for the Las Vegas Raiders, though. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I know he was loved as a person in Los Angeles, and and apparently his play, you know, he kept staying on the field because they loved who he was and wanted to buy into the potential and the growth there. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Ian Rapport put out that the Raiders actually did call about maybe trading for him at the deadline, couldn't come to agreement, and obviously they were smart to do so. Maybe the one right. benefit of their entire season is they've had some great waiver wire uh, priorities so far this year. Yeah, absolutely. And they've turned over that roster a lot. That goes to what I was saying with, you know, players who didn't necessarily fit the scheme. They trade away uh, Trevon Mullen. They they waived Jonathan Abram. Um, now they're bringing on Jerry Tillery. They brought on Sidney Jones. There's uh, Alex Leatherwood, obviously, also released it cut down. So they've not been afraid uh, to move on from former early round picks and then also take on some other teams early first round picks to see if they can get a little bit more out of them than some of those other teams did. Uh, PJ Walker, Carolina Panthers quarterback has a high ankle sprain. He played through that injury on Thursday night in their win over the Atlanta Falcons. But now that carousel, that quarterback carousel in Carolina spins again. Baker Mayfield will start this week. Sam Darnold will be his backup. I still believe that at some point we're probably going to see we're going to see Sam Darnold in, in that that Carolina backfield uh, during this season as well. I can't believe you're wishing that on people that they have to watch more Sam Darnold in 2022. But I think this is huge. I mean, look, they were already 12 and a half point underdogs to the Baltimore Ravens coming off a bye um, last night before this news came down, though it looks like Vegas maybe had an idea because the spread hasn't moved much. But I think this is a nightmare matchup for Baker Mayfield. Ravens are going to blitz a lot. They're obviously going to show him a lot of exotic coverages and do different things on the back end. I think this is going to be, and they know him well, obviously, the former yeah. Cleveland Brown quarterback. They've played him a bunch. Uh, I think it is going to be an ugly game. I didn't really understand the spread at first because, look, the Ravens are good, but without receivers, they're not really beating a lot of teams by multiple scores. I guess they just did against New Orleans, but but nevertheless, uh, now it makes a little bit more sense. Absolutely. Uh, Next piece of news here. Jameis Winston could potentially be back as the starting quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. Um, I I guess you might as well. This was Dennis Allen kind of talking about evaluating the quarterback position. I don't know. Things aren't working right now with Andy Dalton. Um, I know that he's actually graded pretty well for us at PFF, but still all the injuries there with the Saints. I think that you probably have to see what you have in Jameis Winston one more time uh, before you decide how to evaluate that quarterback position over the offseason. Big thing is Dalton's on the one year deal, so going to be gone. I doubt they're going to resign him, even though he has played fine. Um, just a lot of turnovers, like you know, all of his turno- turnover worthy plays are getting turned over. Uh, so some right. bad luck there. But yeah, I think you have to see what you have in Winston. He's under contract for another year. You add in some variance, like we talked about. He's the highest yards per attempt or, or average depth of target, maybe both um, in the NFL on his small sample from earlier this season. Might as well see what you have there. Play it out a little bit, but. I mean, New Orleans, their, their stretch down the the home stretch of their games is a bit of a nightmare. Uh, yes. And they really could be giving Philadelphia a top five pick, which it could either be Jalen Carter re- reuniting with Jordan Davis or add Will Anderson or just they have an embarrassment of riches. They could trade down, which I'm sure Howie uh, Roseman is open to. But yeah, things are looking very, very ugly in New Orleans and only going to get worse. Yeah, it's just unbelievable that they traded that that future 2023 first round pick. Obviously, they got um, Chris Olave. We'll see how Trevor Penning works out there with the Saints. If both those players are great, then maybe they don't regret this decision. But, I mean, they could be getting their future starting quarterback with that pick if things go down the stretch how we expect them to. And that's certainly a very tough pill to swallow. 
Rams got some more bad news over the weekend. Cooper Cup suffered an ankle injury. The good news, though, is that it doesn't seem to be as bad as it looked at first, um, even as bad as Sean McVay kind of alluded to after the game, um, and that the reports are that he could be back after a few weeks. But, uh, I mean, Rams are 3-6 and six right now. Yeah, they'll probably beat the Saints in New Orleans on Sunday, um, but – it's kind of incredible watching this this Rams team, knowing that they won the Super Bowl last season. Granted, obviously it was John Wolford at quarterback on Sunday, but um, as long as Cooper Cup is out, this offense is just going to struggle even more than they already have. And it even seems like they're getting some pieces back on the offensive line, and it's still not helping. Those guys are still struggling up front. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, the Saints are favored in this game. It's two two franchises in a tough spot. But yeah, you mentioned the offensive line. The returns haven't really been particularly notable. Uh, the Saints have looked better as a pass rush unit. Cam Jordan is still Cam Jordan. David Onyemata on the interior is playing some really good football right now over the last month or so. So, I mean, hey, the Raiders went in there and got shut out. They, they can randomly kind of pitch these incredible defensive efforts with Dennis Allen. Um, so I, I wouldn't be shocked. You know, look, the, Ra- the Rams are 30th right now in EPA per play on offense yeah. with Cooper Cup uh, and with Matthew Stafford outside of last week without him it's really hard to envision how they're going to be successful especially with you know a lot of man coverage on the outside for new orleans Allen robinson is so much better against zone at this point he struggles with separating its man coverage it's just it, it is a scary time i almost wonder when cup does get back are they bad enough and out of it that they just kind of keep him on the shelf and get him healthy for 2023 at that point anyway yeah, it's tough. I mean, obviously you, you want to compete, but at that point, yeah, what do you do with Matthew Stafford? What do you do with the rest of the offense? Um, it's it's going to be some tough sledding there for the Rams moving on here. Uh, uh, Deshaun Watson cleared to return to practice for the Cleveland Browns. He will not be back in uniform until December 4th in a game when the Browns take on the Houston Texans. But this Browns season is just it's kind of been a roller coaster the, this whole year where they started off hot, started off two and one. Um, you know, looked like Jacoby Brissett was going to be able to, you know, at least carry carry the ship while, while Deshaun Watson was out there. Then they lose four straight. They went big against the Bengals. They have a bye, and then they lay an egg against Miami Dolphins. So I don't know. Um, I, I really have absolutely no idea what to expect out of this Browns team until Deshaun Watson comes back. But if they struggle against the Bills and against the Buccaneers, then it might be kind of a lost season for the Browns even before Watson is, is eligible to play. This is a huge right spot for Buffalo. We'll maybe get into them a little bit more, but you yeah. know, no second half touchdowns since week six against Kansas City. This Browns defense is awful. I mean, they're objectively yeah. an awful, awful defense, and it's kind of crazy given the investments they've made. They do have corners that can match up well with Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis on the outside, yeah. but that hasn't seemed to matter because they're so susceptible over the middle, which is why I think we talked about you know last Friday, Mike McDaniel was going to just carve them up over the middle. That's exactly what he did the entire game. The Dolphins did not punt in that game against Cleveland. Like you said, coming out of a bye, they just shut down Joe Burrow. Yes, no Jamar Chase, but you know, just shut him down. Right. It's just really if Miles Garrett doesn't get home, which he does more than anyone else, but if he doesn't, you're gonna pick up a first down. Like that's basically what their defense has looked like this year. It's it's honestly crazy to see them be that bad. So yeah, Watson will get back and the offense will play better, but how much is it really gonna matter in the playoff picture and, and winning games if the defense remains this bad? Yeah, it is interesting that they shut down the Bengals so much because the Bengals came back the next week and beat the Carolina Panthers 42-21. Didn't look like they missed Jamar Chase at all in that game. So, I don't know. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see what the Browns look like here moving forward. Um, but Deshaun Watson, 
in their uh, you know minds can't come back soon enough. Let's talk a little bit about the Bills because they did struggle for the second straight week. Or uh, I guess struggle is relative, uh, but Josh Allen is turning the ball over a ton, and his turnover-worthy play rate is, I think, more than double in the games that the Bills have lost this season versus the games that they have won. Um, he had six turnover-worthy plays early in the season against the Dolphins. I think he had another three or four yesterday, including a brutal fumble on the goal line. Uh, I think it was two red zone interceptions in that game. So I would say that just from talking to people around the NFL, they aren't that concerned about these struggles. They think that, you know, the Vikings are a good team. It was a great game someone had to win and that perhaps this speaks a little bit more to the fact that the Vikings are maybe a little bit more real than people thought uh, than the fact that the bills have been found out and the frauds and that everyone's kind of solved how to beat the bills. I think the bills will come back, but I do also think that this game shows why they should be, you know, willing to pay up for a player like Odell Beckham Jr. If they want to win the Super Bowl, if they want to go all in, which absolutely they should, they've got the roster for it once Travis White comes back and everything else like that. I think that they could certainly use another playmaker in that offense because it can't be all Stephon Diggs. And at this point, Gabe Davis, you know, great talent, everything like that. He's just not as reliable as Stephon Diggs, and no one else seems to be getting open and making plays for the Bills right now. I know one of the interceptions for Patrick Peterson in the end zone was a target to Stephon Diggs, and I think it was both. But I know I remember one distinctly was it was to him. I think, and they were both forced. I mean, they were terrible decisions, you know, bad throws where it was just a clear like, why are you throwing this football? And he has right. four uh, interceptions in the in the end zone or in the red zone over the last two or three weeks now. Um, leads the NFL in interceptions thrown, and yes, you're going to get some of that with Josh Allen. But physically, he looked fine. I will say, I'm not hitting the panic button yet. They were kind of winning this game fairly handily to start, and kind of just collapsed down the stretch there it was a 27 17 or maybe even more uh, of a spread than that at one point so not overly concerned but you mentioned Odell Beckham Jr I'm a broken record I'll stop saying it but they do they need more help at receiver Gabe yeah. Davis did have that big catch that was not a catch um, at the end of the game to, to get them into overtime that I don't know how that wasn't reviewed it was under two minutes it was clearly hit the ground I'm yeah. not sure what happened there if Minnesota did lose I think Vikings fans would have been you know up in arms deservedly so but yeah I just don't think they have enough there they've been trying Ken Dorsey has gotten um, – Naheem Hines has gotten some targets out there in the red zone now. They're trying to kind of mix things up and, and use more guys. But I think you need a true difference maker, a man cover separator like you know, Odell Beckham Jr. that can also take pressure away from Stephon Day. Like, as in with Cooper Cup and them last year too in L.A. was it, it doesn't just you add Odell Beckham Jr. It adds – it magnifies the ability of guys around him like a Cooper Cup. So imagine Stephon Diggs with Odell Beckham Jr. commanding attention opposite him. He would have pointy catches a game instead of 12. Right. No, absolutely. Uh, speaking of teams that could use Odell Beckham Jr., does look like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Green Bay Packers are showing a little bit more life. Uh, Buccaneers started to show it in their win over the Packers in Week 9. Then they beat the Seattle Seahawks in Munich on Sunday morning. Seemed like kind of just an off day for the Seahawks. Um, I doubt that it helped that that game was being played at 6.30 a.m. local team in Seattle. So not only do Seahawks players have to fly across the, across the entire United States and the Atlantic Ocean, hey, you also have to play this game at 6.30 in the morning local time for you. Uh, so I don't think that was an overly concerning game for the Seahawks, but I did reach out to some people. Uh, one person said that, you know, this Buccaneers team is about the same as they've looked all season. 
they're just getting healthier. And you see that with Julio Jones. You see that with uh, some other guys on that roster where the more guys get healthy, the more dangerous I think that they can become this year. For the Packers, um, yes, they won. They beat a, a good Cowboys team. I don't think that either one of us saw that coming into this week. I think we both said that on Friday's show. Uh, but I'm also not sure how sustainable their success on offense was when you've got Christian Watson dropping two passes and catching three touchdowns. Um, it's just, it's unfortunate. If Romeo Dobbs was healthy and Christian Watson was emerging, then maybe you have some more faith in that offense. Yes, they can get Randall Cobb back, but um, I would just hold off at least one more week before declaring, yes, the Packers are back. Aaron Rodgers is back. Uh, they're going to you know, make the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. They're climbing up there in the NFC standings, uh, but I'm just not so sure about that team right now still. We get a, we get a great test on Thursday, so very quick right. turnaround to see them play the Tennessee Titans defense, which, I mean, credit to Mike Vrabel and Shane Bowen in Tennessee. I mean, they are incredible. I mean, they were without Jeffrey Simmons, yeah. without Amani Hooker, without Christian Fulton in this game against Denver. And, yes, Denver's offense is just anemic for whatever reason, just so, 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 so bad. But you know, Rashad Weaver had eight pressures in this game. <laughs> like, they're just they're scheming things up for guys up front. They are so good and so so deep up front. Tyre Tart had another good game. He's one of the best undrafted free agent finds in a while. Um, so they've done so many good things up front. But oh, no, no Bud Dupree in this game. Also, obviously, Harold Landry was lost for the season before the season even began. Like, it's just crazy how good they've been on defense. But I do think it'll be interesting. Aaron Rodgers is our highest graded quarterback against pressure. And if you do have time, which look, Michael Parsons had one pressure in the game yesterday. David Bakhtiari looked like David Bakhtiari in this game. Elton Jenkins, now back healthy, playing next to him at left left guard. Yash Neiman on right to, at right tackle has been a really good player. Like another undrafted free agent finder, maybe a late seventh-round pick. But nevertheless, when that offensive line is playing well, when the run game is working, which Dallas, very susceptible to the run, Tennessee, not as much, um, they, can, they can do it. Like you said, though, you know, you're not going to get a three-touchdown performance out of Christian Watson every week. No, definitely not. Um, and those wide receivers have struggled to get open this season. I do think that with Christian Watson's speed – he certainly has the ability to get open, uh, to stretch defenses, to challenge defenses. But no, you're certainly not going to have that level of success out of him every single week. One light, last piece of news, uh, Minnesota Vikings have tackled Christian Derrissaw, who's been very good this season in concussion protocol. So that's certainly something to monitor as well. Let, before we get into our one up, one down segment, let's take a quick break. PFFYR is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. Will you focus on your roster moves? Western and Southern helps advance your money moves, buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PF. All right, let's get to one up, one down. My one up is Giants defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence. He has been a complete monster this season. Uh, I, I was running the data on PFF in our kind of like secret PFF database, and I was trying to see the best games pressure-wise from defensive tackles who weigh over a certain amount. Dexter Lawrence weighs 342 pounds. So first I ran it as... A defensive tackle over 340 pounds. His game this week, nine pressures, was the most since we started tracking that in 2006. Then I ran it over 330 pounds. Then I ran it over 320 pounds. So now he has the two best games uh, generating pressure this season 
for defensive tackles over 320 pounds. Once again, he weighs 342 pounds. So this week he had nine pressures. In week four, he had eight pressures. Uh, that was uh, tied with Haloti Nada for the top two, or Haloti Nada also had eight at some point in like 2012 or something like that. But, I mean, the Giants have figured out how to unleash Dexter Lawrence this season. Like I said, he's been an absolute monster in the middle of that Giants defense. And uh, very curious to see what ha- what happens with him, you know, contract-wise when that eventually comes up. But, I mean, like, there's, there's not a lot of players out there, even like Dexter Lawrence at this point, who are that big and stay on the field as much as he does. Um it's it's really only him and uh what's his name the the Bucks defensive tackle uh UW uh, yeah Vita Vea who um are playing like over 400 snaps already this season, so yeah it's it's very rare for a 340 pound defensive tackle to be generating this type of pressure and like I know that most people would compare him even to like a, a Vince Wilfork or something because back in the 2000s he was playing almost every snap, Dexter Lawrence at least you know based on our tracking is generating significantly more pressures than any other defensive tackle uh, in that position. Yeah, no, he's been a force. He's going to get an absolute bag this offseason. They're probably going to have two interior defenders. Maybe he doesn't reach $20 million per year like a right. Leonard Williams who had all the leverage in the world. Um, but I think he will be close. Vita Vea is around 18, I want to say. So at least 18 and a half plus. Yeah. You also have you know Jeffrey Simmons and Christian Wilkins and all these guys, Quinn and Williams, all in the first round of that draft class. It's looking like a historically good interior defensive line. You know, Zach Allen wasn't a first rounder, but is playing good football in Arizona. Yeah, um, yeah no, he is playing outstanding, outstanding football. He's kind of known as a nose tackler. The, the pick got panned a bit for, yeah, he's a great player, was good at Clemson, but why are you taking a nose ta- a run-stuffing nose tackle a at 17th overall? Yeah. Right, that, that's, that's not what he is at this point. So uh, my one up, we mentioned him. I will get any fun of this as we always do. Yes, he had two drops, so his receiving grade wasn't even a 70 because they were two really, really bad drops. They were. I, of course, as someone who is a diehard Bears fan and someone who bet on the uh, the Cowboys, had to tweet out that Christian Watson's hands are made of concrete after the second drop. So, look, he went on to have three touchdown catches in this game, and and you can't call them busted coverages. What you can say is he is 6'4", and is so fast and so good at creating separation. You see why. I mean, look. I don't think trading two second round or two second round picks to go get him at 34th overall still might not be a great investment, but right. he has rare, rare, rare athletic ability. All three touchdowns, he was wide open. Um, one was a crosser, but two, you know, one was the deep ball over the shoulder catch. That was a really, really nice catch. And I'm sure he let out the biggest exhale in the history of exhales. But you know, this deserves some credit for, I mean, battling through those drops and not losing confidence not letting it get to him and basically single-handedly winning the game on that was a fourth and seven touchdown to get into overtime. So, you know, he's my one up for this week. And again, I know sure someone's like, Oh, you guys didn't even grade him that well. Well, yeah, we grade every snap and he had two awful drops, but he made up for it. Uh, Shout out to Justin Jefferson as well, because he uh, was definitely another player of the week. He had seven contested catches, which is the most in a single game since we started tracking that stat back in 2016. Also now has five explosive plays uh, three times in a single game this season, which is more than anyone else. Uh, he has been fantastic this season. My one down, Denver Broncos quarterback, Russell Wilson. Uh, I mean, this is another guy that, uh, you know, the Broncos are lucky or fortunate that they are not playing more primetime games this season because 
that that game that he played against the Titans was kind of buried at one o'clock. No one was really seeing it. Wasn't featured on red zone nearly at all. Uh, 21 of 42, 286 yards, touchdown and interception, one big time throw and three turnover worthy plays. Russell Wilson now has a 58.3 passing grade this season, which ranks 35th among 47 quarterbacks who have started a game this season. So out of every single quarterback, who has started a game this season across the NFL, Russell Wilson is in the bottom third. I don't know what happens to Russell Wilson. I don't know what happens to Nathaniel Hackett. I don't know what happens to the Broncos moving forward here. It's possible. It's certainly possible that Russell Wilson will turn this thing around, become the quarterback that we saw with the Seahawks. But as it stands right now, halfway through the season, Broncos giving up two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and three players as it stands now, looks like one of the worst trades in NFL history, especially given the success that the Seahawks are having with Geno Smith in his place. And I'm sure that everyone in Seattle right now will be saying, like, we told you so. We've been saying this for years. He's got limitations. Um, he's refusing to wear a, a wristband with a play call sheet on it, like all these different things. But, I mean, that trade is looking really bad for the Broncos right now. Just to pour on too, and yes, they have injuries. Obviously, lost Jerry Judy in this game, but look, I don't care. They're coming off a bye. They still have enough talent on the on the offensive line, and really, just you know, as receivers, maybe not the offensive line, but nevertheless, I mentioned all those injuries to Tennessee. He still took six sacks for minus thirty nine yards. Uh, like I said, Rashad Weaver. I mean, guys that like you know, not starting. Yeah, yeah, and he just still. And, and you want to blame the offensive line and the injuries? He holds on to the ball too long. He still holds on to it forever. And look, yeah, again, they ha- Greg Dolch just looks like a really, really good young tight end. You still have Cortland Sutton. You have enough pieces that you can't make that much of an excuse for it. It's, again, if he was losing close games or scoring 24 points, 28 points and losing, they had one touchdown on a bl- busted coverage, 66-yard ball to Jalen Virgil. Outside of that, they literally had one other good drive, which was the end of the game, where they, of course, came up short with his interception. So it's, it's unfathomable how bad they are. And we talked about McDaniels. I don't think he gets fired for all the reasons you mentioned and because, you know, your, your source is saying they don't see it. Nathaniel Hackett, on the other end of the spectrum, the richest owner in the NFL as opposed to maybe the poorest, um, they did. They also were not there. The ownership group was not there when he was hired. There are the suspicions that Aaron Rodgers was a big part of him getting hired in the first place. I would be surprised. If he loses to the Raiders, uh, you know, in this game this weekend, I would not be shocked. And, and again, I think I've said this before, like, I heard good things about Hackett. I talked to former players of his, former people that have coached with him, that not only like him as a person, but also said he, you know, he's a very sharp coach, great at teaching players and 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 unorthodox methods of you know. Anyway, real, real bad. So my one down though, back to those Las Vegas Raiders. Held the ball for 3.33 seconds per drop back, which was very slow. And he's the eighth slowest time to throw in the NFL this season. So yeah, it's a major problem that he's holding on to the ball too long. Yeah, and he just can't get away with it anymore. I mean, back when he was doing it where he was dancing around and kind of like the Kyler Murray of old where he would, you know, run like crazy. And then, and then you know, like that was – I'm not going to say it worked. It did work, you know, but now he doesn't even have that ability. And then you have none of the quick game passing the over the middle. He just refuses to throw over the middle. So, yeah, it's really, really bad. And honestly, when you look at it, it's hard to see it getting that much better. Again, they might get Garrett Bowles back, fix the right tackle situation – fix the interior a little bit, add another receiver, but, you know, yada, yada, yada. They don't have picks to do so. Um, anyway, I guess they got a first back for Bradley Chubb. Now now I'm just going full ramp. But anyway, <laughs> my one down, Chandler Jones is the worst free agent signing of this offseason. I'm not sure if it's even close at this point. So 
third straight game with one quarterback pressure. He has yet to earn a single game pass rush grade of at least a 70 on the entire season. He was going up against mostly rookie left tackle Bernard Raymond for the Colts. The Colts have three left tackles who are all top 10 in pressure rate allowed on the season. So Raymond got the start. He is a fun prospect. You know, the guy who just started playing football, they probably do like his long-term prospects, but was behind the, the left tackle allowing the highest pressure rate in the NFL. And then also behind a tackle, Matt Pryor, who now plays right guard, played right tackle, but nevertheless was ahead of him in the depth chart and is sixth in pressure rate a lot in the season. And then Raymond before this past week was eighth. He's now 10th because Chano Jones didn't do anything. I mean, it's just, again, we blame the coaching. We blame Derek Carr. We blame the injuries to Darren Waller, yada, yada, yada. He has an opportunity to play opposite Max Crosby and has done nothing with it. It is three years, $51 million, basically the same deal that Von Miller signed. If you look at the actual roots of the deal, it's essentially the same contract, and he has been atrocious. It's, it's, it's as bad as it gets in terms of value return on a signing. Yeah, and I mean, Max Crosby is like our second highest graded edge defender this season, somewhere around there. Um, Always up so, there, yeah. So it's not as if, you know, he they're struggling to get off to the passer. It's not like it's a disadvantageous system to, to get off the passer. And Max Crosby's, you know, pass rush rate and everything like that or pressure rate isn't as high as it was last year. Uh, he's been very good against the run. Uh, but other guys in that defense are able to generate pressure. And, yeah, Chandler Jones just is not right now. And you wonder, you know, obviously an older player at this point, drafted in 2012, drafted in the first round with Dante Hightower, who's now out of the league. It's like those guys in that draft, I know that edge defenders tend to last a little bit longer, but uh, you do have to wonder if age is starting to catch up to Chandler Jones a little bit there. All right, let's talk a little bit about Monday night football uh, because that game is happening tonight. We won't talk about it for too long because of any, you know, people who listen to this show after it goes live, but we've got the commanders and the Philadelphia Eagles. Last I checked, the line was still at 11 points. Eagles at home in this one. It's Taylor Heineke at quarterback for the, for the commanders. I think my best bet is still just, taking the Eagles in this game, like t- taking, taking the Eagles at, at minus 11 points um, because I have basically no faith in the commanders. I know that it's possible that you get a back to recover in there somewhere, but I just think the Eagles are considerably better than Washington this season. You mentioned the backdoor cover, and that's why I like the Eagles in the first half. This is what we call a system play. It did not come through for us on Thursday against Houston. They kind of had a, you know, put it all on the line effort in the first half against Philadelphia. Although I think the Eagles pulling away in the second was an important thing for them to do this season. But nevertheless, I think they're 7-1 and one this year on the first half spread. It is out to a full touchdown now. It was below that at six and a half for a lot of the week and would have been maybe a better bet, but I still like it at a full seven. Um, the, the, they are top five in EP per play on offense in the first half. The commanders are bottom five. It's Taylor, Taylor Heineke ball is you're not going to do all well the scripted plays. You might get some miracle heaves down to Terry McLaurin that work out for you, but going back to that as well, Terry McLaurin is going to see a lot of Darius Slay and James Bradbury. Maybe the best outside corner duo in the NFL are, you know, two highest graded corners right now are up there. Um, you know, so, so I, I like the first half of the Eagles. And then a player prop I like is Antonio Gibson under three and a half receptions. Jahan Dotson's back for this game. I think he and Curtis Samuel will be in the slot. Avante Maddox actually just got placed on injured reserve for the Philadelphia Eagles. So will be a backup slot corner. Might be the only area that Heineke really wants to throw to because Bradbury and Slay will be picking him off otherwise. Um, but so I like him feeding the slot guys, you know, still trying to throw to Terry McLaurin. I don't see Antonio Gibson getting four catches in this game. Uh, talk me out of Taylor Heineke over half an interception in this game. 
Like, why, I have no, I cannot talk you out of it. <laughs> <laughs> why, why should people not be betting Taylor Heineke over half an interception? They um, should be. Yeah, <laughs> they should be. <laughs> that is plus 148 right now on PFF green line. Um, and yeah, I mean, the Eagles have one of the best secondaries at generating turnovers and Taylor Heineke. I was trying to look up his uh, turnover worthy play rate so far this season. It is 8.2% highest among quarterbacks with, you know, more than 10 passing attempts this season. Uh, so he's been uh, turning the ball over, nearly turning over the ball uh, quite a bit this season. So, um, yeah, I think that that would be the the best player prop uh, that I like in this game. But anything else you got uh, you got on your mind before we get out of here for the day? I guess one thing you can run against Philadelphia. They are struggling yes. against the run this year. They're bottom five in EPA per rush allowed. Obviously, Washington's going to try to feed, you know, both um, Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson. But yeah, uh, that, that doesn't negate all the things that we just said. Uh, no, certainly not. But uh, we'll see if the Eagles can continue their hot streak, improve to nine and zero on the season. And uh, we'll see if the Washington Commanders can get up to 500. They are currently at four and five on the season. Can't really see that happening in this game, like I mentioned. Uh, but certainly crazier things have happened. So we will be back with you guys again on Wednesday. Very newsy day here for us. We, we're hoping that Wednesday is just as newsworthy. But until then, make sure to subscribe to the PFF Wire podcast on Apple or Spotify uh, put a review in there, even if you like watching us on YouTube rather than listening to us on your phone. Uh, also, make sure to subscribe to PFF Plus. That is $79.99 a year. Make sure to download the PFF app. We're getting more and more newsers in the PFF app, and there is some great content in there as well. Follow Brad on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. Follow me on Twitter at Doug Kide, and we will be back with you guys, like I said, again on Wednesday around this same time.